Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Here at the tail end of the Christmas season, having just heard those readings from the great feast of Epiphany, I've been wondering, what was it that made those magi pick up, leave their homes in Persia, and travel afar to go find a baby king in Israel? I mean, what was it that got them to pick up and move? We often hear about a star, but think about this. They, they travel from Persia all the way to Jerusalem, then they, they talk to Herod, and then they go from Jerusalem to the house in Bethlehem. What was it that was really guiding them? Listen carefully to what the Gospel of Matthew actually tells us. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 9, it says, When they had heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came to rest over the place where the child was born. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, what was this star? You know, some common interpretations in the modern world about this star that guides the Magi. Some say it was a comet. Maybe it was like Halley's Comet. Some people speculate that Halley's Comet passed through our solar system, maybe around 7 BC. You know, not exactly about the time when Jesus was born, but somewhere close to that. Maybe that's what Matthew's referring to. Or was it a supernova that appeared in the sky? Uh, a popular view is that there was a planetary conjunction like we just had at the end of 2020. Uh, you may have seen in the news Jupiter and Saturn. Uh, came together, and it, it looks like a bigger, brighter you know, star in the sky. I remember our kids went outside to go look at it, and uh, maybe that's what was guiding the Magi. But here's the problem. Think about what the biblical text actually said. It said that the star was you know, going before them, guiding them. I mean, think about this. Stars don't leave the sky and come down on earth. Most stars don't go before people and guide them. I don't know if you've, have you ever had a, a star, you know, you, know, you put away your Google Maps and you just have a star leading you, telling you turn left, turn right as you're driving around town. You know, I, I've never seen that happen before. And, and then a star comes to rest over a person or a city or a place or a house. Uh, that doesn't seem likely. What was this star? You know, listen to what one New Testament commentator says about this. New Testament scholar R.T. France says, Those of us who are not astronomers may find it hard to envisage a, a star rising and then leading on the Magi and eventually coming to rest in such a way as to indicate a specific location. This, despite the fascination of astronomical explanations... It may, in the end, be more appropriate to interpret Matthew chapter 2, verse 9 as describing not a regular astronomical occurrence, but the miraculous provision of what appeared to be a star, which uniquely moved and then stopped. I think R.T. France is on to something. He's on to something that some of the early Christian leaders, like St. John Chrysostom, saw. He's on to something that many of the ancient rabbis uh, and ancient biblical writers even saw. We're going to see that, while maybe there was something going on with a comet, a supernova, a planetary conjunction. I'm certainly open to those things. I think there was something profoundly supernatural and miraculous appearing to the Magi and guiding them. And that's what we're going to talk about in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri, and welcome to 2021. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. I can still say that here at the end of the Christmas season, and uh, Happy New Year and Blessed Epiphany Week here, and we're getting ready to celebrate the 
baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ here. Uh, a wonderful season. But I tell you, I've been really thinking about this question, uh, particularly this year, because uh, of the planetary conjunction. It was all in the news. My kids were all excited, wanted to go outside, and they had heard from someone that, oh, Dad, this is what maybe the the, the Magi saw, and it was guiding them. And again, I'm open to that, that there was a planetary conjunction. Maybe that's what got those Magi to start moving, to think of a king maybe, and start moving toward Israel. I, I'm very open to that. But I don't think that's how the ancients would have understood the fullness of the story. Because stars don't do this. Stars don't, you know, go before people, guide them, rest over a place to indicate where someone's living. Uh, But in the Bible and in the ancient Jewish and the early Christian tradition, there was a kind of being that did do this, and that was an angel. Angels did these things. And angels, you may not know this, but angels were associated with stars. Let me tell you what the early church father, St. John Chrysostom, said about this account of the story of the Magi. He said, the star isn't really meant to be understood as a star. The star represents an invisible power, he said, an invisible power that was transformed. It was transformed into an appearance of a star. So we're not meant to take this as literalistically an actual star, but something that was of an invisible being, in other words, a spiritual being, an angel, that was guiding the Magi. Listen to what uh, a medieval theologian once said here. So I'll give you a quote here from uh, Theophilact, who says, when you hear, and I'll put the quote uh, and and some of the details in in the show notes here for you as well, if you want this, but listen to what what this medieval theologian said. When you hear star, do not think that it was a star such as we see, but a divine and angelic power that appeared in the form of a star. The Magi were astrologers, and so the Lord used what was familiar to them to draw them to himself. That the star was an angelic power is apparent from the fact that it shone even by day, and that it moved as they moved and stood still as they rested. Also that it moved from Persia in the north to Jerusalem in the south, for a star never moves from north to south. So I love this idea that the Magi were astrologers, and the Lord used what was familiar to them to draw them to himself. And so an angelic being kind of manifesting itself in some kind of astronomical way. Uh, I think that's closer to the mark. Again, a lot of this is a mystery. I don't know exactly what the Magi saw and what was it that drew them. And I certainly think there are some natural explanations that are a part of the story, perhaps, perhaps. But I think too often, Sometimes Christians run to naturalistic explanations. You know, when they hear about the plagues in Egypt in the book of Exodus, they want to figure out, oh, well, maybe there was this unique phenomenon of the Nile River and it made it look red. And so it didn't really turn to blood, but it just looked like it turned to blood. Or maybe, you know, frogs appear. And we try, we're, we're desperately trying to find naturalistic explanations. Jesus didn't really, you know, did, did he really cure demoniacs? I mean, we don't really see that happen today. And so maybe Jesus, these were people with some kind of psychological problems, maybe bipolar disorder, and Jesus gave them love and attention and cared for them and, and helped them in that way. It, it, we're oftentimes looking for natural explanations, but we as Christians, we need to believe that there is a God 
who can do the supernatural. Do you believe that? Do you believe that there really is a God that enters into this world, can interact in this world, and can do supernatural acts? Do you believe that this God can hear your prayers and intervene and help you in your life? Do you believe that? Do you believe he could speak to us through his word, through his prophets, through his church? Do you believe that he could take bread and wine and change it into the very body, blood, soul, and divinity? of his son, Jesus Christ. Do you believe God can do these amazing, miraculous things? Well, if God can take bread and wine and change it into the Eucharist, if God can fill my my soul with his Holy Spirit at baptism and heal me and forgive me in the sacrament of reconciliation, if God can do those great miracles, he, he, he could use miracles to lead the Magi to find the Christ child. He could use miracles in his son's life to heal people that were demonics. He could do miracles in Egypt and, and, and bring about plagues. If God can do the gift of the Eucharist and you believe in the Eucharist, then believing things like the plagues in the Old Testament or believing things like the miracles of Jesus in his public ministry uh, and, and miracles like how he led the Magi, uh, I think are a lot easier to, even, to, to, to believe as well. So let's think about this though. Uh, what was it at, that was actually guiding them? I want to go through a couple of biblical texts because I want you to see this isn't just you know an early church father view, a medieval theologian's view. What you find is in Scripture, angels are often associated with stars. Listen, I'll give you a few passages here. And again, I'm going to put all these passages in the show notes. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. That's Revelation 120, exactly coming right out and, and explicitly connecting stars with angels. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, Revelation 120. Revelation 9, 1 through 2, I saw a star that had fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit, and he opened the shaft. Now think about this. A star, yes, I've seen shooting stars, so stars can come down from heaven to earth. I, I, I've seen that. But I've never seen a star be given a key <laughs> and then use the key to open something. So in other words, the Bible often will, will use certain images and associate it with, uh, with, with something else. And it's not maybe not meant to be understood literalistically, but there is a connection that the scriptures are making here. I think that's what you're seeing is that the image of a star is commonly associated with angels. This is an angelic being that was given the key to the shaft to the bottomless pit and he opens it. Revelation chapter 12, verses three through four, the famous uh, account, traditional understanding of Satan and the rebellion of the angels at the beginning of time. Uh, it says in Revelation 12, verses 3 through 4, the dragon, which is a symbol for Satan, and Revelation 12, 9 goes on to say that this, this, this multi-headed monster, this dragon figure is Satan explicitly, that ancient serpent. But it says, the dragon swept down a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to earth. And that's often interpreted as Satan leading many of the angels to follow him in his rebellion against God. So once again, you see the idea of stars and angels being connected together. Mark chapter 13, verses, uh, verse 25, and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. 
So here we see stars and heavens being used kind of in a poetic parallelism. Uh, so stars are connected with those powers of the heavens. In other words, the angels. You see this in the Old Testament. Take Psalm 148, verses 1 through 4. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, his hosts. Praise him, sun and moons. Praise him, all you shining stars. In other words, the heavenly hosts consists of angels, the sun, the moon, the stars. Angels associated with the stars, the celestial beings in heaven <laughs> uh, associated with the stars, the sun and the moon. Uh, Isaiah 24, verses 21 through 23. The Lord will punish the host of heaven. The moon will be abo uh, abolished and the sun will be ashamed. So notice there's a punishment for the heavenly host. In other words, the angelic hosts are going to be punished. And then the next thing it says, the moon and the sun are going to be blotted out. So in other words, you see the sun, the moon, the stars are many times in scripture connected with the angels. And there are many more texts. I'm going to put these other texts in the show notes for you so you have references to them. But I want you to see how this makes more sense, I think, out of what was going on with the Magi. That the Magi, maybe they did see again. Maybe there was something like Halley's Comet or Jupiter and Saturn coming together. And I'm totally open to that being something that maybe got them going, got them starting to consider looking for a king, looking for some great ruler that's going to come from, to the West, to, to, to where Israel is, and, and go look for him. I, I could see that. But there has to be something more. There's something more going on when we read about a star that's guiding them, a star that, a star that moves and stops and comes to rest and points out where, where, where someone is. Uh, angels do that. Angels do that in the Bible. Uh, we, we read about this in Exodus 14, 19. There, the angel of God was going before the Israelites leading them out of Egypt. In Exodus 23, verse 20, God says, I'm going to send an angel before you to guard you on the way and bring you to the place I have prepared. Doesn't that sound more like what's happening in the story of the Magi? That God is sending someone before him. And I, and I love what the medieval theologian was saying about how uh, that, that God used what these magi who were astrologers were familiar with. They're looking at for signs or looking in the stars and, in, and this angelic being, again, I don't know exactly what this angel looked like, but the angel appears to the magi in some way that was familiar to them and is guiding them because we know angels do this in the Bible. They guide. The angels were also known for great brightness. Do you remember the story on Easter Sunday in Matthew 28, verse three, the angel of Christ's tomb had appeared like lightning. Uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls, which are from ancient first century Jewish texts from a, a Jewish community known as the Essenes, they describe Michael the archangel as, quote, the prince of lights. So angels are associated with great brightness. Uh, even the, the devil disguises himself with light. That's what Paul says. St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen that the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. So angels guide Angels were associated with great brightness. Angels also descended to earth like falling stars do. We read about this in Genesis 28, where the, the great patriarch Jacob has a vision, a dream of, of angels going up and down a ladder. Revelation chapter 18, verse 1, and chapter 20, verse 1, uh, St. John says, I saw an angel come down from heaven. So this is, this is what angels do. They guide. They're known for great brightness. They, they come down from heaven like, like stars do. And most of all, angels are associated 
with stars. That's what we've seen in these various texts throughout Scripture. So what exactly happened? What did the Magi actually see? And uh, we may never know for sure. Uh, I can't wait, God willing, to get to heaven and ask ask them all. <laughs> uh, hey, what was it? What was it exactly? But I, I, I do think that the naturalistic Im- interpretation of it being just a comet or a supernova or a conjunction of planets is, is, is not adequate. Could that, could that have been in the background? Yes. But I don't think it adequately interprets all the data points in the, in the story. Uh, and it's certainly not the way an ancient Jewish person would have read this story. They understood how angels guide. Angels were known for brightness. Angels descend to the earth and angels were associated with stars. So when they read about a star that's guiding, that's leading, that's stopping, that's leading them to something, pointing a certain place to a certain place, I think they would be thinking mostly about some kind of angelic being guiding them. What's the practical point for all of us? I think we can take away is this, that the angels that guided the Magi, they guide our lives too. I think Epiphany in this week is a wonderful time here at the beginning of this year to ask our guardian angels to guide us, ask the hosts of heaven to guide us, to ask the angels, to join the angels in their praise of God, but ask them all. Ask Michael, Gabriel, uh, and Raphael, but especially your guardian angel to guide you in life, to lead you always to Jesus through the darkness, through the great long journey, this pilgrimage here on earth, that God may always let his angels guide us and protect us on the way. I think that's one great practical point we can take away at the start here of 2021. So thanks so much for listening, my friends. You got any questions, again, reach out to me, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or on my website, edwardsri.com. That's edwardsri.com. I look forward to seeing you all next time. God bless.